It's uh, great to be with you. Uh, a warm welcome especially, or maybe a hot welcome uh, for those who are visiting. So glad that you could come and celebrate Christmas uh, with us on this really special day. If you haven't been here for the last uh, four weeks, uh, we've been doing a series called The Cast of Christmas. And uh, you'll see uh, we've got a, sort of four candles up uh, on the stage here. And uh, the cast that we've been looking at for Christmas, the characters, were firstly the, the prophets, uh, then the angels, uh, then the shepherds, and then the magi. So you might be wondering, what are we going to look at uh, today? Uh, which character are we going to look at today? Uh, well, the main uh, story that we're going to be looking at is the Matthew chapter 2 reading. That's on page uh, 783, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, there is obviously one other uh, really important character in the cast of Christmas, uh, and no, I'm not talking about the Lord Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the most important character in Christmas. Uh, the point of uh, looking at the cast is that we get to see Jesus from a whole lot of different angles. But uh, there is a character that we haven't looked at yet, uh, which I want to look at with you very briefly this morning. Um, and it isn't quite a character. I'm kind of stretching uh, the, the whole idea of it being a character. Uh, and the, the character I'm talking about is actually the setting, the, the place I want to read to you one novelist, her name is Haley Newland, about the importance of the setting in telling a story. She says, one of the biggest mistakes writers make in developing their story is neglecting the importance of the setting. Character, plot and dialogue are all essential to story progression. However, so is setting. It serves a purpose far beyond a backdrop for the action. Setting can frame mood meaning and thematic connotations. So that's from a storyteller, a, a novelist. And, and the fact is that Hebrews, the Hebrews, were master storytellers and, and every detail counts. Um, of course, God is a master storyteller and in writing this story, every detail counts. And so what I want to look at with you this morning and what I want to pick up on is, well, let me ask you a question. Kids, where was Jesus born? Did I hear a Bethlehem? Let's give it up for, that was probably George knowing, no, I think it was. Well done, George. Fantastic. Well done. Bethlehem. Okay, so does anybody here know, uh, actually know, this is a rhetorical question now, uh, although you can shout it out if you need to. Uh, does anybody know what Bethlehem means? Uh, you see, I have an older sister called Bethany, and so I've always known that Bethany means house of figs. So if Beth means house, then what does Bethlehem mean? Bethlehem means this. Are you ready, kids? It means house of bread. House of bread? Well, before you kind of your eyes glaze over and you fall asleep. Uh, just remember this. Remember, every detail counts. Uh, if you know the New Testament, you'll know that the Lord Jesus once said, I am the bread of life. Uh, remember the importance of the great Exodus story in the Old Testament where the, um, God set the Israelites out of Egypt and God provided manna in the wilderness. He provided bread from heaven. Otherwise, they would starve to death and die. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And, and remember, probably most importantly, towards the end of his life, the Lord Jesus, with his friends, he, he broke a loaf of bread. Remember that? And, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
So please, uh, the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, is, is no accident. Remember, God is a master storyteller. And so what I want to look at with you very briefly are three reasons, three things that I think God is getting at by sending Jesus to the house of bread. And so uh, if we can uh, get this working up on the screen, that's fantastic. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And the first reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem was to identify with everyone. Let me tell you, back in the day, 2,000 years ago, Meat was for princes, but bread was for plebs. Meat was for princes, but bread was for plebs. Meat was an extraordinarily expensive, rare delicacy that only the richest of the rich would be able to afford. Kind of hard for us today to get our heads around. But you would think that if your title, some of your titles were king, of kings, lord of lords, prince of peace, that you would have been born in the house of meat. But Jesus was born in the house of bread. If I'm not mistaken, Cottesloe is in the most expensive uh, postcode in WA because it's such a beautiful place to live. And it also means that only a tiny number of people can actually afford to live in Cottesloe. Uh, a quick Google search tells me that um, the most affordable place to buy is in a place called Armadale. But let me ask you this. What is God saying by sending his son not to the house of meat, but to Bethlehem, the house of bread. What is he saying? I think he's saying this. You don't need to work yourself into a relationship with God. You don't need to work yourself into a relationship with God. Working 90 hours a week so that you can buy a house in Cottesloe because the story of Christmas is that God has tried to work himself into a relationship with you. Jesus was born in the house of bread in Bethlehem to identify with everyone. Uh, and so let me tell you this. It's what we call, as Christians, grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he made himself Poor, born in Bethlehem, so that through his poverty, we might become rich. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. And please, don't get me mistaken. There were rich people there too. Do you remember who they were? The wise men were rich. They came bringing expensive gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to identify with everyone. Secondly, Jesus was born in Bethlehem to satisfy our spiritual hunger. You don't need to look far to see that there's spiritual hunger everywhere we look. I just want to give you one example that I came across in the newspaper a few weeks ago, and it was an interview, an article about a supermodel, a Muslim supermodel, whose name was Halima Aden, and she recently quit the whole uh, industry because it was too much. She says, I'd never known of an industry with so many people in it who were willing to do anything under the moon to be there. 
So we're all looking at the supermodels going like, oh gee, I, I wish I could look like that or I wish I had someone like that. And, and some of us are literally starving ourselves because we're so spiritually hungry to get what they've got. And yet if you were to talk to someone who's got it, like the Australian supermodel, Asina O'Neill, she says, when she got there, I was surrounded by all this wealth and all this fame and all this power. And yet they were all miserable and I had never been more miserable. Point two is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to satisfy our spiritual hunger. C.S. Lewis takes up this idea and he says this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And guess where Jesus came from? He came from another world and he said, I am the bread of life to satisfy your spiritual hunger. In John 6, 35, he says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, a couple of days ago, I, I found out uh, that um, a bit of a VIP um, is coming to visit St. Philip's just in order to uh, hear me preach. And, and I thought to myself, ooh, well, I better put in some extra effort into the sermon. And, uh, and then I was like, oh man, I was hoping to slack off on the holidays. Uh, uh, and then God spoke to me through Isaiah chapter 55, where he said, and he says to you this morning, why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good. Then you will delight in the richest of fare. Just remember that as you tuck into your Christmas lunch today. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to satisfy your spiritual hunger. And finally... Jesus was born in Bethlehem to show that each of us have to choose him as saviour for ourselves. When you go home for Christmas lunch, if only one person eats a meal, unfortunately, that's not going to do anything to satisfy anyone else's spiritual hunger. Literal hunger. So it is with the Lord Jesus. He says in John 6, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, this promise of satisfying our spiritual hunger means we need to come to him to feed on him by faith what it is that he's offering us. In a few moments from now, we're going to gather around the Lord's table to remember him with the meal that he taught us to remember him, feeding on the bread of life. And one of the great things about communion is that you have to come forward and actually take what God is offering you by faith. One of the other great things about communion is that you come forward with empty hands. And you come with those empty hands as an acknowledgement that inside you, there is a spiritual hunger. But it is a hunger that Jesus came to feed. 
That's one of the great things about taking communion. So if you don't remember anything from today, kids, remember this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? The house of bread. And he was born in the house of bread to identify with everyone from the poorest to the richest and to satisfy our spiritual hunger if we come to him and feed on him by faith. And I hope God will give you grace to do that later in the service as we gather around the Lord's table to feed on Christ. And so let me finish with these words from the hymn by the same name, Bread of Life. Bread of Life, truth eternal, broken now to set us free. The risen Christ, his saving power, is here in bread and wine for me. Amen.